Words appear. Whose blind life is it anyway? Present this accessible life with Victor Marquez, starring Victor Marquez. And Victor Govea announcing. The Blind Perspective Network. Sponsored by VIP Tech. Welcome to This Accessible Life with Victor Marquez. The show where Victor Marquez shows you how he lives his most accessible life. I am your announcer, Victor Gouveia. Remember, if you like what you're about to hear, activate the like button and share it with your friends and family, especially if you think they can benefit from anything that's said here, and subscribe, activating the notification bell so you know when we go live or upload a new video. We also stream on our Facebook page, Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway, and on Twitter, at Blind Whose. Alternatively, if you don't like live streams, you can always benefit from podcasts. Whether you have an Apple device, a Google device, a Windows device, or even an Amazon device. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor. And if you have a Victor line of players, go into the podcast section and do a search for Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? And you'll find our episodes there as well. If you would like a copy of this episode on audio or video or any episode broadcast on the network, send us an email, whoseblindlifeisitanyway at gmail.com. And we will send you out a folder link on Dropbox that houses all the episodes we broadcast on the network. On this episode, Victor talks about the role of rehabilitation centers in blind training. What good it does, how it benefits us, and how you can take advantage of it. And now, your host, Victor Marquette. Hello, this is Victor Marquez with This Accessible Life, and this week I am going to bring you an episode where I'm talking at you about vision rehabilitation therapy and residential rehabilitation training centers in the U.S. system, and I'll have some uh, perspective on the Canadian system as well since I'm originally from Canada. So I don't want to just talk at you about information, I want to actually tell you my story and talk to you about what it's like and what uh, what the vision rehabilitation system is all about. So I hope this information is going to be useful to you if you're considering whether or not to do some training and improve your skills for independence or to possibly seek employment. We all know that employment is very hard to get for people who are blind or visually impaired. There's such a high unemployment rate, but Really, if you have the motivation and the desire to get to work, there are lots of resources and support, lots of people ready to work with you to help you get there. So um, I'm hoping this information will be useful and give you a bit of an idea of what the system is all about, how it works, and what you need to do to access it. So if you um, don't know my story, if you didn't hear my interview with Victor Gouveia earlier, um, at the beginning of this series, I am a vision rehabilitation therapy graduate student at Western Michigan University in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And uh, my story is that I came to vision rehab from Canada of all places. I grew up there and I worked in Canadian government with veterans for many, many years. I really enjoyed that work. I helped them get medical benefits and equipment that they needed. I really enjoyed that. Um, so I have a background in the medical field, I suppose you could say, and in helping to provide services for people. Um, really enjoyed that work, but when I lost 
the rest of my residual vision. I rapidly realized I wasn't able to keep that job. Um, it was very paper-oriented, very difficult, and the government, even though they are supposed to be committed to accessibility, uh, they proved that they weren't, and uh, they kind of forced me out on a medical retirement, and I had to figure out what to do next. I decided very quickly I wasn't going to sit around and do nothing at home and uh, take retirement at age 35, so I uh, figured I needed to do something different. Um, I taught my, myself many of the skills I know now. I sort of taught myself Braille through Hadley. Um, I learned a lot of the independent skills from watching YouTube videos and doing research on my own, um, how to cook and clean and manage my own affairs. Um, and uh, I unfortunately had a marriage that broke up around that time because of some of the issues that were going on with uh, with um, me wanting to get back to work and my uh, ex-wife now not wanting me to do that. She, she wanted to um, live in a small rural town where there were no opportunities for work and um, so we kind of had a falling out and that was unfortunate. I really um, don't like that period of my life but anyway uh, things happened and I needed to figure things out for myself and become independent which I'm very glad that I did. Um, I started helping others with uh, peer mentoring, teaching them how to use the iPhone and JAWS and NVDA. And I really fell in love with helping other people uh, acquire those skills and watching them succeed, being able to read their email or browse the web or play a game on the computer or phone. It really made me so happy to, to help people do that. And that's when I fell in love with uh, teaching, I guess you could say, with vision rehabilitation teaching. So um, I met a wonderful person in Michigan and um, I came out here to visit. We decided to pursue a relationship and I came out here, got married. And uh, in the process, I realized that's what I want to do for my career. I want to learn to be a certified vision rehabilitation therapist um, so that I can help provide quality services to people um, who are blind or low vision and get them on the road to independence or employment. So it just so happens that um, that we live, or at the time we lived only 20 or 30 miles from Western Michigan University. I've since actually moved to Kalamazoo to be in the same city as Western. So now I live 10 minutes away. Um, and so I began a master's program in 2018. Uh, originally I was going to become a have a double master's in counseling and vision rehabilitation therapy, but then I just dropped the counseling part because I realized I, I, my passion lies with the teaching and the assessment of, of vision, not with the, the whole counseling and working towards employment side of it. So I dropped the counseling part, but I kept the vision rehabilitation therapy. And um, I should have graduated last year, but due, some, due to some issues with COVID and health, I uh, had to take a year off. So I am graduating in a month. I am just about finished. I've done all my coursework. And right now, since September, I have been working at a residential training facility operated by the Bureau of Services for Blind Persons in Michigan. Now that is the state agency that deals specifically with blindness. And no, I did not pick the name for that agency. Um, <laughs> it's a mouthful for sure. But anyway, it's still uh, affectionately called the Michigan Commission for the Blind by a lot of people even though that's not their official title, but um, that is uh, how it's known. So they operate a training center here in Kalamazoo, where I live, um, just across the street from Western Michigan University. And um, fortunately, I was able to get an internship here. I've been working here since September full time, and I really enjoy it. I love the setting. I love helping people and watching them grow, learn, and succeed. So this is definitely where I want to be in terms of uh, a career and uh, prospects do look pretty good for me to actually get on here um, as an employee as an employee um, maybe not quite in a teaching role immediately because there's no openings at the moment but uh, I expect that should happen in a few months and in the meantime there's other work that they have for me that, that I can do so I am very excited about being here I'm going to talk a little bit more about what uh, the training center does later so um, I need to talk about what is a vision rehabilitation therapist. Well, 
anybody could teach people with blindness or low vision the skills, but it is, in my opinion, really great if they have the background to do so properly and effectively. So um, there are several master's programs um, in the US and elsewhere, I guess, in the world that uh, um, will give people the skills to do effective teaching. Um, so we cover what it is to, uh, you know, research-based methods to teach people to be efficient and safe, especially, and uh, independent. So those are the three goals that we have as a vision rehab therapist when we're teaching. We want to make sure that people have great skills and are safe and efficient during them. Um, a lot of what we do too is assess people for equipment or services. So we'll meet people, we'll do kind of an intake and figure out what it is that they need in terms of training or equipment. And then we can re uh, recommend equipment as necessary to uh, funding agencies. So oftentimes we'll be in close contact with their uh, counselors through the vocational rehabilitation system. Other times we're helping them access uh, services through nonprofit agencies, maybe Goodwill or other nonprofits that have grants or funding, Lions Clubs, for example. There's there's lots of places where people can access uh, services and funding. Oh, Lighthouse is another big one. Um, lots of places where people can access services and funding for or services and equipment outside of the state system. And I'll talk about the state system in a minute. Um, so yeah, we, we assess, we teach, and we recommend. That's basically what we do as vision rehabilitation therapists. We work with adults um, from ages 14 and up. There are probably three groups of clients or consumers, as we call them, um, that we can divide people into. And we'll start with the young group, the 14 to 26 age here in Michigan. Some states, it's a little different. Some states, it's maybe... 14 to 22 or 18 to 26, whatever, you know, it varies by state, but essentially um, these are high school students who are transitioning to college and or trade school who have an employment goal, um, an end employment goal, but need the skills to be hugely successful with education and technology. So we really give them the skills or we try anyway to give them the skills to be proficient with their technology, especially, and with their independence um, so that they can succeed at college, um, so that they are tech savvy and really with it um, in terms of the skills that employers are looking for now. So there's a whole lot of money that is available in the federal uh, state system. There's um, lots of money that has been allocated for that purpose. Then we have the adults from ages 26 um, up until they don't have a vocational goal anymore. So maybe, you know, 50 to 60, somewhere in there. That group um, are generally adults who come to the state uh, program, vocational rehabilitation program, with a vocational goal. So they want to get back into the workforce and the state and the federal system is ready to invest money into them to give them training and the skills or re-education, maybe they're going back to college, so that the ultimate goal is that they can become employed. Um, they may be taught skills to do what they were doing before as a job. Maybe it means that they need to learn a new trade or a new skill to do a different job. But generally speaking, um, they are going to build on what they had before, the, the skills and the education and employment that they had before. They're gonna build on that to get back to work. The last group is um, probably age 50 or so and up, could be a little later in life, depends. Um, these are people who do not have a vocational goal and just, um, not just, but importantly, need to learn to be independent. Unfortunately, there's not as much money in the federal or state systems for them, so they get a lesser amount of training, but their goal of training is to become independent and self-sufficient living at home and um, so not as reliant on other people or services to provide for them. All right, so um, I've given you a description of the clients that we serve here in the state of Michigan with the state agency. 
the Michigan Commission for the Blind, or now known as the Bureau of Services for Blind Persons. Let me talk to you about the federal and state system. The federal state system started in the 1960s with the introduction of Social Security, and there's been a number of acts since then that have come out, um, the most recent one being the Workforce Innovation Act, I believe, um, and I think that was 2014, maybe was the last iteration of that, I'm not sure. But they have uh, gradually, over the years, set up a system where the federal uh, government um, contributes about 80% of the funding and the states, each state will contribute about 20%. Um, that's roughly the split that it is nowadays. It's increased from what it used to be. And the purpose of this, uh, managed under the Rehabilitation Services Administration, is to create these rehabilitation um, training opportunities to get people back to work so that they're not simply staying at home collecting social security income or social security disability. The goal is to try to get people employed and living independently. So each state has its own system. It's run by the states. Um, most states will have their own separate blindness agency for rehabilitation. Michigan does. Um, some states do not. Some states just have one that is dedicated to general rehabilitation. So. In the states where there's a separate blindness agency, there's also a regular rehabilitation agency for people that have um, physical disabilities, for example, or cognitive disabilities where they need support to um, access many of the same types of services for re-education or training for independence and employment. Um, but in many states, there are separate agencies that deal specifically with blindness. And that's a great thing because some of the challenges for blindness are unique. We, we definitely rely more on technology as a blind or low vision population. Um, there are certain issues around mobility that need special attention for travel. Um, some of the skills of independent living are very unique to somebody who's blind that somebody who can see does not experience. So it's really a good thing that we have our own separate agencies in most of the states. So. Um, that is the case here in Michigan. We have um, our own agency. And the agency here in Michigan has um, two divisions that are major. We have field services and then we have the Rehabilitation Training Center here in Kalamazoo. It's a residential facility where people come and spend nine months of the year uh, or nine months um, maximum, usually. Um, and it can vary, it can be longer, but most people spend somewhere between three and nine months. Um, if they progress quickly through the program, they can be done sooner, of course, but it depends on their needs. And uh, the Rehabilitation Training Center here in Kalamazoo is um, it's a fairly large facility. We offer um, training services in blindness-specific areas such as Braille, um, adaptive kitchen skills, so that would be cooking. Um, we offer training in, um, well, lots of technology training. That is one of the focuses that we certainly provide. We want people to be tech savvy when they leave here, so we provide training with uh, Windows, operating a computer, um, and all the way to some of the business programs that they'll need to be employed. We teach Word and Excel, um, internet browsing, and at times, if somebody has a specific employment goal, we may branch out and look at something specific, such as uh, web design, or actually we, um, the center just built a music studio recently, and we're looking at establishing a program on audio editing, music production, um, podcast production, social media production, videos, etc. So that's really exciting, because uh, I might be on the ground floor of getting that program up and running here in Kalamazoo, and that really excites me. Um, so, yeah, we cover those things, and uh, another big focus is independent living, personal management skills, so we teach people how to keep themselves groomed and um, personal hygiene. We teach them to keep their areas clean, um, and those are important skills because when you are looking for a job, you want to be presentable, you want to be um, certainly 
looking and smelling good and dressing well. Uh, you want to demonstrate that you uh, can clean up after yourself if you uh, make a mess in the kitchen when you're making lunch in the office. Um, whatever it is, uh, you know, it is important that you have those skills. So we kind of tie all those skills into the goals of having someone be independent or employable. Um, some of the other programs that are taught here, we have an occupational therapy class that teaches people how to do crafts and sew buttons. Um, um, and that's mostly for recreation because it's important that somebody have a hobby and be able to do things for fun with their hands. Um, we have an industrial arts uh, class. We have a wonderful teacher who teaches woodworking. People come here and they actually get to work with power tools, uh, drill press, uh, different saws, um, and uh, oh, painting, all sorts of things. They build clocks mostly, but there are other wood projects that people can do here while they're here. And it just basically teaches them confidence and being able to work with things that they've never worked with before, working with their hands, um, and generally creating something um, unique and personalized to them. So it, I think it's a fascinating class because um, personally I didn't really have any woodworking skills before I took that class and um, now I know that it's something I can do if I just had the guidance or the, the tools to do it. So fantastic. Um, they teach home mechanics. so. You learn if you want how to do simple home repairs and outdoor maintenance around your house. Again, very important uh, for some people and for other people, it's more, more important that they have the skills to um, be able to contract out that work and have the funds to pay for it. So it depends on um, everybody's personal interest, whether they want to actually do those home repairs themselves or not, but certainly it's a great experience. and. Um, happy that I can fix a toilet or change out a sink myself. Um, I've done that and it's great. I enjoy that. Um, some of the other uh, classes here include job readiness, uh, job search skills, effective employment uh, skills. And so those kind of focus on some of the soft skills uh, that people need um, during interviews or to work in a team with colleagues. Um, so we look at things like how people present publicly, how they speak, um, how they interact socially with others. Um, so all those soft skills, uh, we, we have a class on um, dining etiquette, which you may think, well, how does that relate? Well, I mean, if you're going to a business lunch, you certainly don't want to be standing out as somebody who is messy or acting improperly with uh, your table manners. So, I mean, it's all important. We, we try to cover everything here and we don't prescribe um, saying, you know, you have to act a certain way, but we try to give constructive feedback so that people realize, oh yeah, maybe what I'm doing is not um, socially acceptable or, or appropriate. And maybe here's a better way to do things. So that's kind of our goal um, at the center. We like to personalize everybody's training to what it is that they need and what they're looking for, for independence and employability. Um, and we always do that in a positive way here. So I speak of the center as we, um, like I said, I am a graduate student and um, I am an intern here at the center. I've been here a couple months and um, I guess I'm part of the staff. I'm not paid yet, but <laughs> I will be soon because um, they are looking at bringing me on um, as staff. Um, so if I'm not in a teaching role by spring, it will probably be sometime next year. And in the meantime, they have other staff opportunities for me to, to work here after I graduate. So I'm very excited about, about that. And I speak of we in the collective sense that uh, I am not representing the center, but I'm just talking about what it is that the center offers. And the same will be true of many residential training centers across the country. Um, uh, there are usually centers in almost every state um, of some sort or another. A lot of state agencies will have their own center um, where they provide centralized training. It's just more efficient to bring people to a center and teach them as a group or um, in a structured environment where they can access lots of skills at the same time rather than sending out a teacher to teach one skill or um, to work with one student. That's just not as effective. 
Um, there are several private training centers run by nonprofits or consumer organizations. The National Federation of the Blind, for example, has three big training centers across the country, one in Minneapolis, one in Louisiana, and one in Colorado. And um, they come highly recommended, of course. They offer a, a bit of a different perspective on how things are, are taught, but in general, they offer the same types of skills. They offer braille and personal management, independence, Oh, a big skill that all these training centers offer, including my my training center here in Kalamazoo, is travel and mobility. So, um, of course, a big part of living with blindness or low vision is being able to get around uh, walking, transit, Uber, Lyft, whatever it may be that somebody may need to get to appointments or to work. Um, most of the time spent, or a big part of the time spent at these training centers is teaching those cane skills or mobility skills. Um, a lot of it is cane travel. If somebody wants to get a guide dog, that's generally done after these training centers, after they have the cane skills to be able to travel efficiently. So at these centers, sometimes if somebody already has a dog, they'll work with the dog and the person, teaching them skills for uh, crossing streets more safely and effectively, or getting to and from places. But generally speaking, people come here with very little in terms of orientation and mobility skills. And so um, generally speaking, people are taught to use the cane, the white cane at most of these training centers. And the people who teach orientation and mobility are their own specialty. They are called O&M specialists. They go through a different program than, than vision rehab therapists or teachers of children, the visually impaired. Those are um, different specialties that are um, offered in university master's degree programs. And so O&M specialists usually do have a certification from the Association of uh, ACVREP. I'm not exactly sure what that stands for now, but um, it's a certification agency here in the U.S. that certifies um, people. You have to not only graduate from a master's program, but you have to pass an exam to show that you're competent and you have to go through ongoing continuing education every year to keep that certification. And um, so um, O&M specialists go through a separate program than vision rehab therapists. And there is a third program that is for children. Um, well, let me just talk about the different areas here that Western Michigan University, for example, has um, four programs in the blindness and low vision department for people who are graduating with their masters. So I am graduating as a vision rehab therapist. Like I said, we do assessment, recommendation, and teaching of adults. Um, for somebody who has a education background or special education background, and wants to work with children, there is a separate program for teachers of children of the visually impaired. Um, and those are teachers who will work in the school system in elementary K through 12, basically, with students. Um, and they work together with uh, teachers to teach them the general mainstream curriculum that is taught to everybody. So that will mean that these special TCBI teachers will um, help convert things to Braille, they'll teach Braille, they will um, help with low vision, um, they'll do assessments for equipment, they'll teach that equipment, lots of things supporting the educational process um, that the students will go through. Um, there's an expanded core curriculum of subjects that, that are taught by TCBIs. Um, so, I mean, in addition to the core curriculum that everybody learns, blind students also have to learn skills such as uh, the orientation and mobility. They have to learn um, things about uh, social etiquette and um, all sorts of all sorts of things particular to functioning well as a blind person in a sighted society or sighted school. All right, so that's TCBIs and VRTs I've described. Then we have um, orientation mobility specialists. They focus mostly on travel and getting around outdoors. So of course, there's a number of safety issues and efficiency issues around that. So they have their own program where they 
study that and are equipped to teach people effective ways to um, move around safely outdoors, get from place to place, whether it be from home to work or home to medical appointments or shopping, whatever it is, they teach people the skills for mobility. And the last group is a new certification that is just coming out in the last couple of years called CADIS, uh, Certificate for Assistive Technology Instructional Specialists. Um, and that certification is something I'm also pursuing, but I am not finished with that yet. Um, the CADIS program works specifically with technology. And since technology is so important these days with getting people to be employed, it really is important um, to have specialists in that area, especially because most blind people may not just have blindness as their only disability. They may have other secondary disabilities and may have medical conditions. Um, they may have cognitive delays, you know, other issues that have come along in life that um, affect their ability to to learn. So um, blindness often is not the only disability that somebody faces. So we have to determine what is the most effective learning tool for them, what is the most effective technology. We can't just say, oh, this braille display will work for you. No, um, it involves assessment, trial, um, assessing what the skills are already, what needs to be taught, you know, the person's ability to learn. There's lots of things that are involved in recommending the right equipment and doing the proper assessment. And so um, there's a real push now for uh, instructional specialists in technology so that the right equipment is given to each individual and the right training is provided, the right resources are available. So it's not just simply saying, oh, you know, you are, you are deafblind, therefore you need a braille display. Well, maybe not, you know, maybe that's not gonna work. So um, anyway, uh, I am in the process of finishing that certification. That is going to be something I finish next year. But as I said, um, I am graduating, um, or if I haven't said this before, I'm graduating next month with my vision rehabilitation teaching or therapy program, master's degree. And um, I am just finishing up my internship here at this residential training center here in Kalamazoo. So I am very much looking forward to working in this field since I've thoroughly enjoyed my work here at the training center so far. So now I'm gonna talk about where do vision rehabilitation therapists work? Well, many of them do work in state uh, run training centers. Some of them work in the field, which means that they go out and visit people in their homes. And in that case, they can teach specific skills. They can um, help people on the job site to determine what it is that they'll need for equipment and train them on using it. Um, a lot of times they will teach people how to use specific equipment that the state will buy them for their house or for their situation living at home. Sometimes that means um, talking equipment. Sometimes it means kitchen gadgets that might be accessible. Um, you know, they'll come and help label washing machines or ovens, for example. They'll teach some brief skills of how to move around inside the home safely and efficiently without tripping and falling. Um, things like that. So the the field workers have a very limited teaching role because they don't have the time to be able to do intensive training, but they can come out for a period of time and help with specific things. Um, so that's the state system. Now, vision rehab therapists can also work in nonprofit agencies such as Goodwill. Um, oh, another big employer of vision rehabilitation therapists is the Veterans Administration. Um, the VA is very big on providing services to the returning veterans or um, or uh, active members who have come back injured and have issues with the vision, for example, from their deployment. Um, so they get all sorts of services. There are training centers that the VA runs throughout the country. Um, they have different uh, services that they'll provide in terms of going out to help veterans with uh, some of their some of their issues and teaching them. Um, so they are a large employer um, and they get a lot of federal money for that. Um, some vision rehabilitation therapists do contract private work. 
So, uh, you know, there are VRTs that will work by the hour to come out and help uh, train people uh, on specific skills or technology or things like that. Um, uh, well, going back to nonprofits, there's uh, Goodwill is one, Lighthouses are another. There's all sorts of uh, different agencies out there who um, do their own fundraising and are able to provide those services. So that is the U.S. system. Um, there are quite a few resources out there for people. Um, the state offers services to people who apply and if they're deemed eligible. And basically to be eligible for state, federal, uh, vocational rehabilitation, you pretty much have to have an employment goal, uh, which could mean going back to school to retrain. It could be, or going to school for the first time, that means college to become employed or later in life, if you've lost your vision later in life and need to uh, pursue re-employment, then uh, vocational rehabilitation can help. But ultimately their funding is going to be tied to employment outcomes. So they're not gonna fund things that you wanna do for hobbies or for fun. Um, so um, if it doesn't relate in their view to employability, uh, then it may not be funded, uh, specific equipment or training that you're asking for. Uh, as an older uh, blind person who doesn't have a vocational goal, there are some funds for independent living skills. Um, those are, again, provided through the federal government to the states. And uh, so there will be some lesser amount of equipment and training that they can provide. Um, each state, you know, it depends on their funding model and how they allocate their resources, what is available. Here in Michigan, most people can get up to about four weeks of training here at the Residential Training Center for those skills, and then they can get some extra support at home. Um, but, you know, obviously the uh, resources for people who are seeking employment are far greater here in Michigan because some people can get up to nine months here at the center and uh, lots of additional support with tuition, with um, living expenses uh, if they're going to school, things like that. Um, lots of support that the state uh, system can provide to somebody who's seeking employment far above someone who's um, seeking independence. All right, um, so then we um, we look at uh, what, okay, so that is where vision rehabilitation therapists work. They work in the state systems, they work in the federal systems like the VA, and they work independently. Um, job prospects, I chose this field because not only do I love it, but as people get older and begin to lose their vision, there's going to be a, a higher prevalence of people um, losing their vision later in life. They're gonna need services and support. Um, there is going to be people needing to work longer in their lives and needing to do a second or third career and needing to access services later in life to become independent and employable. So there is a large demand for vision rehabilitation therapists, people who are eligible to teach um, and able to help people with those goals. So um, Bureau of Labor Statistics um, showed me that when I did my employment um, projections that uh, there's supposed to be a 13% year-over-year um, growth in this field. So I was not concerned about getting employment after graduating. Um, and it very much looks like that will be the case for me. Uh, I should be working fairly soon after I graduate here. So I'm excited about that. And uh, the pay is good. Um, in some places, some training centers do not hire accredited teachers and they pay a lot lower, but um, some states do focus on um, paying a higher wage and getting quality accredited um, vision rehabilitation therapists hired. That is the case here in Michigan. The pay is higher than average here and uh, I do plan on staying here. I live here and I want to stay here for now. So uh, the prospects are looking good for me and they will be good for others who want to come in this field. Um, there are several master's programs in the U.S. that focus on vision rehabilitation therapy. Um, the biggest ones that I know of, uh, there's Salus in Pennsylvania, there's um, um, of course Western Michigan University. But Western Michigan University is one of the more popular and uh, highly touted programs in the field. And since I lived um, only 
you know, 30 miles from Western Michigan when I moved here, it was a no-brainer for me to, to come and join this program. And I don't think I've talked about my story yet, so I'm going to get into that. But let me just finish with the programs. So the programs teach you um, a lot of the scientific basis for why we teach things, um, how to teach effectively. We cover you know all sorts of things in terms of learning techniques and styles, um, along with the practical side of it. So we do have experience um, with some hands-on teaching uh, during the program, but a lot of it's theoretical as well. So we do cover um, all the all the things that a person should know to de deliver a very um, appropriate and scientifically sound curriculum of services and skills to someone with blindness. Um, why is that important? Because um, there are some centers and some agencies who don't uh, ascribe to the model that we should have a scientific basis of how things are taught and they just sort of teach their own thing. Um, but it's been proven over and over that higher quality teaching and uh, skills result from vision rehab therapists that are certified um, and accredited. So the accreditation process, uh, just make sure that you know the skills thoroughly, that you keep getting continuing education every year on new things that are coming out, and uh, that you demonstrate competence by doing an internship that is successful um, and supervised by another vision rehab therapist, and that you pass a certification exam. So um, yeah, it's a very highly regulated um, area and I think that's a good thing because it produces great quality instructors and uh, therapists who are able to teach and assess and recommend effectively. So um, let me talk a little bit about my journey getting here. Um, if you didn't hear my interview with Victor uh, back at the beginning of the series, I came from Canada originally. I grew up there and lived in British Columbia until uh, 2016. I worked in Canadian government with veterans for at least 15 years, I think it was, and I worked with the taxation department in Canada for two years before that. So I have a long history in public service and I really enjoyed it. I would have stayed there, but I lost the rest of my residual vision in 2010. I found very quickly that um, because the work was very paper oriented still, um, that they weren't really willing to keep me there and, and do what it takes to make things accessible. So found out within a short period of time that I was being pushed out and that I would have to take a medical retirement. So I did, and I tried to stay home. I stayed home for a little while and I found out very quickly that that wasn't for me. <clears throat> so I taught myself pretty much the skills of blindness and low, vi and low vision at the time. Well, I couldn't really read anymore, so it was mostly blindness. Um, taught myself Braille from Hadley. I learned some of the independent living skills um, from reading and watching YouTube videos and and uh, just uh, <coughs> figuring things out for myself and uh, most of the things I was doing right but some things I wasn't. Um, <coughs> I really struggled with travel and orientation while I lived in Canada and I had a hard time getting around on my own but I still managed to make it work. Um, and uh, then an opportunity presented itself for me to move to the U.S. I found a partner here that uh, that uh, I came up to visit and we decided to get married in 2016 and uh, before that I had been helping others in Canada with peer mentoring. Um, I had been helping to teach them iPhone and JAWS or NVDA skills and I fell in love with it. I, I just loved the fact that I was able to help people, that I was seeing them grow and succeed in their work um, or their personal lives by being able to access their technology and I realized that's something I wanted to do with my life. I wanted to make this a career. So when I came out to Michigan and moved out here, became a permanent resident, I decided that I was going to pursue that as a goal. I came to Western Michigan University in 2019. I started my master's program and uh, should have graduated last year. It was only about a year, year and a half of a program, but because of COVID and uh, health issues, I had to delay things for a year. And here I am now just finishing my program and graduating <coughs> and I'll be working in the field. This will be my second career and I'm in my mid forties, but it's still, still great. I, I enjoy the work. I've been here at this uh, residential training facility for two months now as an intern. 
I love the work and I know that I'd be happy coming here every day to help uh, people. I've watched them grow and I've had success in teaching people. Um, so I'm really excited about this field and about this second career of mine. And I know I can do this for at least another 20 years or so until I retire. So I'm excited. Um, what does it take to be an effective vision rehabilitation therapist? It takes dedication. It takes a love of technology. Um, I love to learn new things because as a vision rehab therapist, you generally have to be able to adapt and learn new things to be able to teach those new things to your students. Um, a lot of times technology changes very quickly, so we have to be able to be at least one step ahead of our students. Maybe a few more steps would be ideal, but basically you need to learn how something works so you can be able to teach it to somebody else. So when there's a new program or new technology that comes out, we need to be the first to um, learn it, review it, find out how to make it accessible, and uh, then be able to teach it. Because we know that our students will be coming behind us very shortly, needing to learn how to use those things for work or independence. Um, what else does it take? It takes confidence. Um, it takes wanting to work with people. Um, so if you're not somebody who wants or likes people, if you're not somebody who um, is somewhat confident in your ability to communicate and to uh, relate to people, that might be not the field for you. But um, for me, I've always grown up loving technology and uh, equipment and that kind of thing um, throughout my whole life. The people skills have come later in life for me. Um, I have been a member of Toastmasters for the last five years, and I know that that has helped me tremendously with feeling confident in speaking. Um, I would never have sat down five years ago and done this video and <clears throat> felt confident in talking about uh, my life and my skills. and the field. I would not be confident in teaching people. I wouldn't be organized and have a lesson plan and, and know where I'm going with my my teaching. But uh, Toastmasters has greatly helped, and, and so has my program, of course, but really helped me refine those skills and feel comfortable in my own uh, skin, my own clothes here as a teacher, and being able to help others. So um, teaching is not for everybody, of course. Um, I definitely am happy I'm not working with children, <laughs> but I really love working with adults, um, with people I can relate to and, and um, seeing them succeed and, and, uh, and do well with their, their learning. So what am I doing here at my internship? Well, um, I am actually, I observed for the first couple weeks, but then they threw me into full-time teaching. So I am actually just as equal as any of the staff here that are working here. Um, I'm teaching uh, two students with kitchen skills. I'm teaching two students with Braille. I'm teaching about five or six students with computers and mobile phone, iOS mostly, although we did work with one student with Android. And um, I have taught the odd uh, class on low vision. And um, so in low vision, we cover things like scanning with your phone using apps like Seeing AI or um, Open Book on the computer or uh, Kurzweil. So different applications for the computer and phone. Um, or sometimes it's using a CCTV um, or choosing the right sun filters for outside or uh, or inside that might block light for somebody with low vision who can still, still see a bit. Um, so yeah, mostly I am doing technology and that's where I see myself working with uh, students. Um, we, uh, um, well, there's there's always a need for, for technology teachers since that is really so critical to employment and, and independence these days. Uh, one of the things I'm most excited about is that the center has just built a music studio last year uh, where uh, we have a, um, a nice uh, mixing console and computer with Reaper. We have a drum set and uh, you know a soundproof studio recording studio where people can go in and plug in their guitar or whatever it may be microphones and uh, they can actually go in and produce and record um, so this is brand new to the center and there's not a whole lot of expertise i do have a little bit of expertise in this in this area so um, once i get hired on as a teacher i'm really looking forward to maybe uh, developing this curriculum and uh, um, and the skills that we need to teach to help people um, produce music or produce audio for podcasts uh, or produce maybe audio and video for social media uh, for 
for YouTube or, or video blogging. Um, so definitely exciting times here because uh, we are trying to stay with the stay with the times and um, since social media is a big part of employment these days, um, we want our students to be savvy in that area to be able to create audio and video content um, or maybe uh, we can even offer a beginning uh, audio engineering um, class so that people can graduate from here with at least some skills and be able to pursue a different training afterwards uh, and already be prepared to learn. So um, yeah, very exciting times and um, so that is where we are at here at the center. Uh, lots of um, exciting opportunities to see people uh, grow and what we like to do here at the center is provide uh, an environment where, where people um, can make friends with each other first of all but they can also see um, well, not all the teachers here are visually impaired. Some of them are sighted. It's about a half and half mix. But we want to make sure that people have the sense leaving here that they can achieve whatever it is that they want to. Um, we have successful teachers who are blind and visually impaired, like myself and others here. And um, we want them to be confident that they can learn the skills that they need to interact in a sighted world, um, that they can actually have the skills to be employed. Um, so a lot of um, what happens here is they get the technical skills and then they meet with counselors um, who work at the center here to work on those job search skills, the um, effective interviewing, the soft skills like I talked about earlier um, that they will need to become uh, socially uh, acceptable or well, not socially acceptable, but they need the soft skills that make them uh, a good choice for, for employment. When an employer is looking at them, they don't feel that the person is acting strangely. They just feel maybe, uh, well, and a lot of it is advocacy too. A um, blind person or low vision person needs to sell their skills during an interview or on their cover letter and say why they are the best person for the job. So we want to equip people with the confidence and the skills to go out and seek that employment and actually attain it. All right, so what happens when somebody has finished their training here? Well, the training here at the residential training facility where I work is pretty much the first step that somebody takes when they come into the vocational rehabilitation system. <coughs> we provide the basic skills that they need to learn to be independent and to be employable. After this, many of our students go on to college and um, so they'll have the skills needed to succeed in college where they will you know, get their educational training and hopefully then be able to find a job. Um, sometimes students don't go on to college. Sometimes there is a, uh, they have a different goal where they want to work for themselves and we do support people in self-employment as well. Um, there is a blind enterprise program that is offered through the state of Michigan. And that's for people who want to become um, their own owner operators of vending, facilities. So sometimes it will be vending machines or um, so they'll have a route of vending machines that they have to maintain. Um, or they could be owner operators of stands at truck stops or federal buildings. Um, there is funding for those and opportunities that are given to um, blind entrepreneurs to um, set up those facilities. So they get preferential uh, treatment at federal uh, buildings and highway truck stops um, in Michigan at least and I think in other places in the country as well. So there's opportunities for them to own and operate their own food facilities or um, kiosks or stores. Um, so I mean if that's somebody that's an avenue that somebody wants to take that's certainly open to them. So they're taught business skills and being able to manage uh, not only operate the stand but also order inventory, keep it clean, uh, contract out services, whatever, hire employees, um, pay taxes, all that kind of stuff as a, as a business owner. So um, there's a lot of skills involved there. Um, but generally speaking, people have an employment goal when, when they leave here. Um, and uh, being here at the center has given them the skills to, to the basic skills to operate technology and to live independently and have a very clear goal of what it is that they want to do. They have time while they're here to explore career paths, um, do counseling, 
Uh, as I said, the counselors here on staff at a training center will help with career exploration, um, job assessments, uh, skills assessments, um, personality inventories, all sorts of good stuff that will help somebody refine what it is that exactly that they want to do. And then they have a very clear path once they leave here of where they're going with their further training or education. Um, so let me talk to you about um, the differences with the Canadian system, because I grew up in Canada and the Canadian system is highly uh, underdeveloped um, compared to the American system. The main agency that provides services in Canada is the Canadian National Institute for the Blind, and they provide services on a field services level pretty much. They don't operate any residential facilities. They have uh, field teachers who go out and can provide services to clients in their own communities and homes. And they do provide some orientation and mobility. They can provide some, um, <coughs> excuse me, some independent living skills in, in the home, some teaching. It's just very limited what they're able to provide because of the huge geographical scope of Canada, the limited population, the limited funding. So, um, for example, when I lived in Canada and I lost the rest of my sight, I got a total of about six hours of, of help. And that's just woefully inadequate for, for what I needed. Um, you know, I, I did live in a rural area, so I know that living in a city does help. Um, People can often access more services in, say, Toronto, maybe in Vancouver or Montreal, but um, not so much uh, for most people across the country. Uh, services are quite lacking. Um, there is no real residential model in Canada except for one that has started up um, a few years ago, and I'm actually proud to be a board member of that agency now. It's called the Pacific Training Center for the Blind, and they're located in Victoria. The executive director is a friend of mine who I've known for some time, and she attended uh, Louisiana um, School for the Blind, I believe, the um, the one run by the National Federation of the Blind. And so she saw the value in residential facilities uh, training and providing intensive training skills. So she's developed a program, but again, she's a private organization, or they are a private organization now. Um, not just her, she has a whole board and staff of people and uh, they have come a long way and uh, they're providing services to um, a number of people um, in that, or a number of students that they're able to bring in um, each year. It's a, it's a small scale. Um, I think last year they helped 14 students, some of whom lived with, um, I believe in a community-based setting so they lived with somebody who was a teacher at this at the school um, so they had some they don't have a facility where people can stay full-time they just uh, are able to provide uh, day programs for orientation mobility and for Braille um, for independent living skills like the kitchen skills um, so they're doing well with what they have but they have a relatively small budget because they don't have government funding they have private donors and grants that provide the majority of their funding so there's really um, nothing on the scale of federal investment and state investment um, in residential training as there is here in the U.S. And to me, it really shows. Uh, I mean, each government has their own um, rehabilitation agency. I accessed that in B.C. when I was there, and uh, I didn't get a whole lot of support. I was given a computer to be able to try to work from home. Um, but I didn't really get any effective training on it uh, or the JAWS. I had to learn most of what I know um, from my own experience, from doing research and teaching myself. Um, and a lot of what I know today and being able to teach is because I accessed uh, the Michigan Training Center here as a student before I became a university student, a graduate student. So I spent three months here myself learning advanced skills and orientation mobility and uh, and the computer. So um, I was no slouch certainly coming in here with those skills, but I really feel like I came out of here with uh, more advanced skills. So um, that is what we do here in the US. Uh, we, I think we're well equipped to give people great uh, a great starting foundation. I mean, obviously if you want to become an expert or a, um, you know somebody who's ultra proficient in a certain area, 
you may want some more training beyond what we provide here at a training center or any of the training centers, but uh, we certainly equip people with the building blocks for being successful, I believe. I am really excited about the prospect of the training, uh, Pacific Training Center in Victoria. I really hope it becomes successful, and that's why I decided to become involved as a board member with my background in both the Canadian and U.S. systems. I really would love to see it succeed, and I think Canada really needs that type of model. Um, I know that those types of facilities, uh, the residential facilities like the one where I work and others across the world really are successful in giving people foundational skills and uh, that they just don't get in other ways. Um, so I really hope that that becomes successful. Anyway, um, is the training center right for everybody? The answer is no, it's not. Some people will need specialized one-on-one -on -one training. Some people thrive through independent learning and not in a group setting. Um, some people have multiple disabilities and they're not well suited to living in a facility where they're away from home, from family, from caregivers. Maybe they're just not ready for the independence. Maybe they're not capable of being independent. Whatever the case may be, it's not for everybody, but if um, blindness is your only disability or your other disabilities are manageable in other ways and you're mitigated by the equipment and services that you receive, um, I think it's a great place to come, I really do. I think that being in a residential facility exposes you to other people who are going through similar things. Um, you know, they may be at different stages in life, but they're trying to succeed in this sighted world and trying to find ways to make things accessible. So you learn skills from other people as well as your classes. You learn how other people do things. You are exposed to um, relationships and friendships that are made here between students, between teachers and students. And, um, you know, it's just a great opportunity to, to grow. And that's what I see here. I see people come here, they spend a few months here and they've grown as a person. They've learned technical skills, they've learned social skills, they've learned confidence, they've learned the ability to communicate. They leave here with a new outlook on life. They, they leave here with the outlook that they can be successful in employment, that they will be um, living independently, that they can get out there and travel they can use a computer and communicate with the world. They can use their phone effectively. They can um, take care of themselves and not rely on other people to come over and cook for them or to clean up after them. So they know that they can be successful in whatever it is that they want to do. So that is my goal as a teacher. My goal is to promote that independence and employability. And uh, it makes me so happy when I see that. Um, I see that every day here. It makes me feel really good, warm inside, and know that I'm making a difference. So that's why I do what I do. So I'm going to end it here. I think I've talked long enough, and I hope this really gives you a good perspective on me uh, and the vision rehabilitation field, uh, residential training facilities, why they're important, and what people can learn at them. And I really hope that if you are someone who is newly blind or um, experiencing vision loss, that you would consider um, taking some time and first of all contact your state vocational rehab agency um, for services that's the first place I would recommend that you go uh, if you live in the US um, if you live in Canada your options are a bit more limited but still contact the CNIB ask them for help um, be prepared to learn a lot on your own if you live in Canada um, consider a facility in the States or the Pacific Training Center um, course cost might be an, an issue with that um, if you come to the states you'll probably have to pay for your your private uh, um, training centers but um, if you're in other countries uh, access government resources and see what there is available to you there I know Australia has a good system um, for example and I think the UK does as well so there are resources out there that should help you as a blind person learn to be independent and hopefully with the goal of uh, employability, because I think it's really important that we all have a purpose every day that we get up and we contribute to society. We do meaningful work to help other people. We pay our taxes, that we are not just taking from society, but giving back. And um, of course, there's a place for benefits for social security, 
for those who cannot work. But if you can work, if you um, have the ability to work, um, blindness is the only thing that's holding you back. That's not good enough, um, in my view. We can overcome things like that. We can make things accessible. So um, definitely every case is different. I don't want to put down people who aren't able to work, of course. Uh, that's that's There are certainly many people who can't. But if you can, you should. That's my view. And I'm going to leave it there. Love you all. Uh, nice talking to you. And I will see you all next week on my next episode of This Accessible Life. Um, my website is not up yet, but if you want to contact me, feel free to uh, contact me at um, the real Victor Marquez, T-H-E-R-E-A-L-V-I-C-T-O-R-M-A-R-Q-U-E-S at gmail.com. And feel free to keep checking my website's address, thisaccessiblelife.com, because it will be up in um, short order. So if it's not up when you check, check back again, because I'm going to have a website where these episodes will be archived, but I'll also give more information about some of the other services I provide. So as a vision rehab therapist, not only do I plan to work here at a residential training center or in the field, but I will provide uh, private contract services too. So I'll be providing one-on-one -on -one training for those who would like that, probably remotely, unless uh, it's you know intensive training that you need and then I might be able to come to you. Um, I'll provide some accessibility testing for websites. Um, I do some of that on the side now, and I can also do Braille transcriptions. So if you have information that you need transcribed in Braille, or if you're an organization that needs newsletters or brochures or menus transcribed in Braille, that's something I can do as well. So anyway, um, toodaloo. Uh, I will talk to you next week. Thank you for watching This Accessible Life with Victor Marquez. Remember, if you want to contact Victor Marquez, you can write him an email at therealvictormarquez at gmail.com. Thank you for watching. Catch This Accessible Life every Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? If you wish to contact Victor Marquez, please do so at the real Victor Marquez, T H E R E A L V I C T O R M A R Q U E S at gmail.com or look for this accessible life website coming soon. I hope you enjoyed it.